some shorter episodes, some probably some more multi-parters as part of that, and in an effort to try and be able to upload more regularly, definitely aiming for, for that once a week mark, once again, but let's see how we go, but just before we get into today's episode, which we're going to be talking a little bit about toxic masculinity and how that affects uh, how that affects others both male and female in between can affect all we're going to just kind of have a quick talk about that because it's something that's been popping its ugly head up a fair bit recently and it definitely comes up in the sexuality sphere as well but before we get into that once again I need to talk talk about alt playground Okay, because remember, old playground. I know that it's that you're gonna think that it's just a swinger sign. It's just not one of those weird and creepy people. But it's definitely not. It's so much more than a swinger sign. First of all, you don't get the bots. You don't get the people that aren't really interested in the lifestyle. Because yeah, it's it's a it's definitely it's a pay-to-play website. So you do have a small registration fee but then you've got so much that the website can offer you and it's expanding all the time I mean all the time now Alt Playground is so much more than a swinger site <laughs> with resources and users from all walks of non-monogamy they're striving to be a true community community as a whole for all sex positive people so whether you're polyamorous in an open relationship, simply wanting to explore your sexuality, you'll find like-minded people at altplayground.net. 
and there's more and more users every day. Go and check it out. That's alt play alt playground a l t playground dot net. They told me, boys, don't cry or play with Barbies. So my whole life I've tried my hardest to be the man that they wanted me to be. But can we normalize that boys can cry too? We get self-conscious of the way that we look. But we don't have to follow society. If I want to wear a dress, I can. It don't make me less of a man. Cause I know I look good in pink I don't care what you think, just stay mad Your ego is so paper thin Why are you so scared of being feminine? I paint my nails cause it don't make me less of a man Okay now, my little sluts I guess it's time to to get into the episode now, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's it's not it's not an exciting episode, but it's one that I think really needs to be spoken about. And we're we're going to be talking about toxic masculinity. This may be a two-parter. I'm not sure yet. <clears throat> and just see how long it takes. But we're going to go through a little bit about what toxic masculinity is, what it looks like, and how it can harm society. And men as well. But it definitely obviously does affect women quite quite heavily. (sighs) I I get I get frustrated even reading about some of these things. From the moment men leave the womb. They're indoctrinated with ideas about what their gender means. Real men don't cry. They don't ask for help. They don't back down from a fight. And our culture inculculates masculinity in ways both subtle and overt. Through schoolyard taunts and gender bathrooms. At the gym, as in the front house, out playing sport. Um, The... In New Zealand, especially the perpetual drinking, or, or oh, you're not sculling that quick enough, or you're double parked, or why are you so slow with your drinking, etc., etc. Now, when you hear toxic masculinity, what comes to mind? Fundamentally, it's the belief that masculinity can be toxic. Not that it can be toxic, not that it inherently is toxic. While it's often attributed to women, particularly feminists, the origins of the term trace back to one of the leaders of the mythopoetic men's movement, Shepherd Bliss. Shepherd came up with a list of behaviours that were toxic to, toxic to masculinity. Now, I'll read out some of the behaviours of toxic masculinity. We've got extreme self-reliance, or the need to do everything on their own, making it less likely for men to seek treatment or reach out for help, especially financially. 
I, I still have a bit of an issue with that myself, but I'm getting better, better and better at reaching out. Shame, disassociation, and avoidance of emotional expression. Think boys or men don't cry. And leaving boys or men with few acceptable emotions besides anger, you know, sadness or even exhaustion as a state of mind. Men can't show that. Extreme aspiration for physical, sexual and intellectual dominance is another one. And that is extreme aspiration, not just aspiration. Another behavior of toxic masculinity is the devaluation of women's opinions, body, bodies and senses of self. The last one, and the one that I might focus on a wee bit more. Condemning anything feminine within another man, or equating affection for another man as being sexually attracted to those other men, resulting in higher social isolation and loneliness, and a lack of social cohesion. Let me ask you a question. How often have you seen parents upset with a male child for playing with dolls? Or better yet, parents absolutely livid with their son when the son is crying after ex- after experiencing something, you know, even if it's just a slight graze on the knee or or whatever. How often have you seen a man speak over another woman or attempt to explain a concept to a woman who clearly understands it? I've been guilty of that. How often have you seen a man neglect to use safety equipment and scoff at the idea of another worker putting their safety gear on first and putting their own safety first? Personally, I've been called a, I've been called a pussy most times because I won't put myself in dangerous situations for that. I've been called that on a work site when they were just dropping steel pipes about 15 meters to the ground, and I and I called up health and safety and complained about it. This author personally has been called a pussy for having the nerve, the audacity, the gall to attempt avoiding heavy calluses by wearing weightlifting gloves. He's also had a sexuality question for being a heavy tea drinker. Apparently antioxidants are feminine. And whilst there's no official guide on how to be a man, it would be a lie to provide it would be a lie to provide a definition of what it means to be a man or to be masculine. But there are some commonalities that most men agree upon. Leadership, providing for and protecting your family handling responsibility, and courage or bravery tend to be the agreeable core values of manhood. Now, when comparing the the list I said before of toxic traits to the agreeable values, which the agreeable values are actually quite nice, but when you try and mix that with the list of toxic traits, it becomes clearer to see how noble intentions can turn into toxicity. Whereas it's, it must be that, otherwise you're less of that, you know? 
Let's start with the expectation of being a provider. Research shows men who are the primary breadwinners have worse health outcomes than men who make closer to what their wives make. So what's the solution? Should men make less money than their wives? As it turns out, men who earn less than their wives are more likely to engage in domestic violence and infidelity, and less likely to engage in housework. The solution isn't in the amount of money a man makes at all. There's a study that stated that decoupling, and I'll use quote, decoupling breadwinning from masculinity has concrete benefits for both men and women, unquote. And this is evidenced by the fact that women's mental health benefits from being a win- women's mental health benefits from being being a breadwinner emotionally and mentally being the primary and or sole breadwinner does not benefit men. But the ideology, the ideology that men must be the provider as opposed to a provider, persists for a multitude of reasons, whether it be power and control, fear of the unknown, or some other reason. There are several other instances of toxic masculinity negatively affecting male suicide rates, sexual assault rates, STD rates, and their ability to discuss health problems with their health care providers, I should say. It's worth repeating, and I'll say this a whole bunch throughout this, throughout this episode or series as it may become, I'm not really sure yet. We'll see how it goes. Masculinity in and of itself is not toxic. Toxic masculinity is a cultural phenomenon where masculinity can be taken to the extreme and become a weapon wielded against those who are unwilling to subscribe to these behavioural controls by gender roles. It's also worth stating that being biologically male is not the key cause of male violence, and that violence is not inherent in males, it is learned behaviours. Okay? People learn this from somewhere, they don't just, uh, they're not just violent. When men become violent, the victims are overwhelmingly female. As evidenced by several mass shootings carried out by men who identify as incels, or otherwise known as involuntary celibacy. The incel community often dabbles in misogyny, well, often, mainly all the time, and blaming women for their responses to their misogyny. Frequently, incels display a stunning lack of self-awareness by blaming all of their romantic woes on women, instead of taking a moment to understand why women may not want to be with them, or to associate with any man that is that really wants to make women a scapegoat for all their problems, or to, to, be, to be blamed for all of the men's problems. To understand the link between toxic masculinity and the incel community, one must understand the ethos of incels. Many, but not all, incels feel that men are being systematically discriminated against and denied sex because women only want hyper-masculine men. Oh, well. Wow. <laughs> Apparently women only want hyper-masculine men. What a bullshit, bullshit lie that is. 
To these incels, sex is a crucial component of their manhood. And they feel entitled to sex because of it. I'm a man. I want, I want sex. I get sex. It's basically it, isn't it? Basically what they're saying. Basically what they're saying. If this sounds familiar, it's because it's one of the crucial tenets of toxic masculinity. And it's an extreme aspiration for sexual dominance. And feeling, feeling entitled to sex simply because you're a quote, nice guy, unquote. Certainly fits the bill of a toxic expectation related to being a male. Male entitlement to sex contributes to rape culture and misogyny due to the prevailing attitude that women owe their bodies to men. This, uh, does this at all sound a little too... like 1500s to anyone? Or is that just me? Owe their bodies to men, which also factors into the devaluing of a woman's body and sense of self. Several studies confirm that rigid gender norms regarding roles, family and marriage contribute to men's use of violence against female partners. That when men believe or perceive themselves to not be masculine enough. Intimate partner violence or emotional abuse may be used to conform to gendered expectations. Look at me, I'm a tough guy, my wife is under my hand, etc, etc. And then say, well, look, look, my wife will go and do anything. Honey, go get me a beer. See, look how good of a wife she is. She does anything for me. Never mind that she's probably doing it out of fear. Well, in that not probably, could be doing it out of fear, I should say. I shouldn't generalize. Studies have attempted to tangentially link sexual abuse and toxic masculinity. Given that child sexual abuse is an overwhelmingly male crime. And with, with, with that sentence there, over, overwhelmingly male crime, you, you'll quite often hear what I would, what I would think are incels, but males say, oh, but, but, you know, there are women that do it. Why don't they get the, the publicity? I mean, there's a house on fire and there's a, you know, a people a few houses away having, you know, with their, with their fireplace going. You know, oh, go put out the fire, go put out the, why isn't anyone putting out the fire in the fireplace? Uh, maybe because there's a house on fire. Antisocial behavior has been listed as a major predictor of sexual assault. And the hypothesized link is that masculine norms of self-reliance and avoidance of expression serve to create both and reinforce these behaviors in men. So, how, how, how can our society recover? The, the million dollar question. There's a few ways, potentially. Fight against the idea that violence is a natural expression for men. Call people out on their shit, basically. Provide boys and men with non-violent conflict resolution skills and stress to them how important it is in this world to be able to handle conflict non-violently. You know, 
by talking maybe, sharing your feelings, etc. Consider how masculine, uh, not the next point, consider how masculine norms are taught and reinforced. How gender inequalities show themselves in the lives of both men and women. We've got a Tinder message. For example, think about how some boys aren't taught to cook or clean up after themselves, but daughters of the same age are expected to be the maid for the family. I guess I was lucky there because it was the other way around for me. Focus on violence prevention approaches directly. Yeah, focus on violence prevention approaches directly addressing gender and power. Okay, and next one, next thing that we can do is decouple harmful norms from masculinity and rebuild, rebuild with healthy expectations. For example, we often teach boys leadership, not how to be a sympathetic and considerate leader. See Kim Jong Un, Vladimir Putin. We see leadership as a binary where you either rule with an iron fist or don't rule at all. Unfortunately. But thankfully there are some leaders out there that are good, good leaders. Teach our boys that listening to those that you lead and taking their opinions and thoughts into consideration is not a sign of weakness, but it is a sign of strength. When it comes to addressing toxic masculinity, there is no end state. It's always going to be a constant process that requires introspection and personal accountability. We need to do more than discourage and criticize bad behavior as bystanders. This, this has shown success at reducing sexual violence on college campuses. There will be moments when a bystander isn't around, and in those moments it's up to each individual to do better. It's a good first step to say something, but simply telling someone who either knows no better or lacks the conviction to, conviction to do better to change without any supplemental advice or feedback regarding the expected changes and exercise in futility. You, you never get through to people that way. We have to empower our men and give them the freedom to experience full ranges of emotions. See the world from a perspective that's independent from their gender. We owe it to our boys, our young boys, who become our men who put out into the world everything the world has put into them. We owe it to our daughters, who become women, who do the same, as well as receive what our men have to offer. Most of all, we owe it to ourselves, as a society. Being a better human must always be our overarching objective, and deconstructing toxic masculinity Deconstructing toxic masculinity and replacing it with healthy masculinity certainly contributes to our goal. This was from Focus for Health, this article that I've that I've been going through, and it, it's it's spot on in many ways. You can't just say, "Hey, don't do that to a guy." You need to educate him into why. See that you might get upset. about what they're doing. Show them that that emotion, not anger. Anger won't really get you anywhere in this field, I don't think. 
at all. At, at all. You know, you might end up in a big fight and the guy comes out angry, but we don't need our men to be angry all the time. They can show more emotions than just anger. They can show whatever emotion they like, and that's okay. It's more than okay for them to do that. It's actually healthy for anybody to show any emotion that they like. Sometimes anger is okay. Some, a lot of the time, not not the best thing. Not hardly ever the best thing. It's always there. We can't go through life without some form of anger. We can get outraged and angry about this sort of thing happening privately. Just to let loose and refresh yourself, but doing it with the with the person who is engaged in these in these toxic behaviours isn't really going to help anyone, is it? It's just gonna just gonna happen. Right, and the I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna quote a scene that I remember from a TV series. Thirteen Reasons Why, a really heavy series. But I remember the first episode of it. Which the lead character, I think her name was Hannah. She had a she had her first kiss. It was a nice, it was a tender moment. And it that became a rumour of male of sexual conquest for the male. And that and that even led to the, I think, uh, halfway through, maybe the end of season one, I can't remember, where the the lead character, Hannah, was sexually assaulted or raped by an acquaintance because, oh, you're easy, you just put out. That's toxic masculinity right there. And during during that that series as well, viewers have consistently shown examples of how toxic forms of masculinity can erode by Hannah's well-being. Mostly through the performance of this type of masculinity. Oh, you know, she kissed someone, she had sex with somebody. I, th- I think the boy actually promoted that story that he that he'd had sex with Hannah. I can't remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. And so through that lie, it's just gotten gotten worse and worse, and it show, it it erodes on Hannah's well-being through this performance of of this sort of masculinity, and it led to sexually violent actions perpetrated by Hannah's peers. Hmm. And even in that in that same episode, I'm pretty sure he I I can't remember too much of the series, but there was a photo of her going of Hannah going 
on a ride of some sort and her, her skirt had hiked up because of the ride so you could see her, her underwear and I think he used that as proof that he had actually slept with her from memory and it was to promote his own sense of, of power among, among his, his friends and he chose to do that instead of the risk of, I guess, emasculating himself, seeming like less of a man, by, by not having sex with Hannah at that time. Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. It's really, really not nice. And I, I talk a lot about kink on this. That is not toxic masculinity, because... Well, it, it can be, it can be, but consent, good consensual kink, the power often lies with whoever the submissive is, because they can stop it at any given time. When it's all done properly, of course. If it's abusive, then you could argue that that has come from a point of view, a point of uh, toxic masculinity. But, anyway, there will be a part two for this. There is another resource that I, that I want to get through. Definitely want to get through. There may even be a part three. We'll see how we go. But at this point, it's a two-parter. And like I did say, I am going to make them shorter. So that is the end of today's episode of the ASL Podcast. I hope that you enjoy this. And for any males that have... Uh, or anybody with kids even might learn, I think. Actually, anybody can learn from this. Absolutely anybody. Absolutely everybody, everybody, everybody. Yeah, I don't know why that just popped into my head. But hey. Go out and spread the pod. And here's the opera saying... That's all I ask of you. I ache for the touch of your lips, dear, but much more for the touch of your whips, dear. You can raise welts like nobody else as we dance to the masochism tango. Say our love is a flame, not an amber. Say it's me that you want to dismember. Blacken my eye, set fire to my tie as we dance to the masochism tango. At your command, before you here I stand, my heart is in my hand, yeah. <laughs> it's here that I must be, my heart entreats, just hear those savage beats, and go put on your cleats, and come and trample me. Your heart is hard as stone or mahogany, that's why I'm in such exquisite agony. My soul is on fire. It's a flame with desire. 
Which is why I perspire when we tango. You caught my nose in your left castanet, love. I can feel the pain yet, love. Every time I hear drums, and I envy the rose that you held in your teeth, love, with the thorns underneath, love, sticking into your gums. Your eyes cast a spell that bewitches the last time I needed 20 stitches to sew up the gash you made with your lash as we danced to the masochism tango. Bash in my brain and make me scream with pain, then kick me once again and say we'll never part. I know too well I'm underneath your spell, so darling, if you smell something burning, it's my heart. Don't you take your cigarette? from its holder and burn your initials in my shoulder fracture my spine and swear that you're mine as we dance to the massacre